Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Viewer Trip Podcast, your second dose of me and James this week. Uh, you may have seen in this here podcast feed, uh, we dropped a brand new podcast on Monday. It's called Malfest Monday. No guesses what that's about. Uh, but I do have one question, James, for you to start the podcast this week, which is, got any plans for March? It's looking a bit busy in March, isn't it, for Eurovision fans? And to me... This just screams of, you know, when you were back in school and you just, you got all that homework for the for the Easter holidays and you thought, you know what, I'm going to leave that till the very last day before I go back. I'd just like to remind you, listeners, that, well, not even you, listeners, broadcasters, I'm sure you're all listening. You could have released your song on the 1st of September if you'd really wanted to. Goodness sake. On it, March is going to be ridiculous. We were having a conversation off air about what we're going to do on the podcast when it gets to March. What are we going to do? I have no idea. There's going to be so much going on. I think we might as well just link people to a Spotify playlist of the songs that get released and say, there you go, listen to that instead of us. Certainly make our lives a bit easier anyway, won't it? But anyway, <laughs> that's a problem for March. For now, this is the Euro Trip. Let the dance macabre begin. Warm welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what they say. What they say. This is the Euro Trip. Hello and welcome to the Euro Trip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, Sanna Nielsen. That's right, we are joined in the week that we finally have the return of Melody Festivalen by a woman who has competed in Melfest seven times. It wasn't until her seventh attempt that she got the Swedish ticket to represent them in uh, Copenhagen it was in 2014 and it is a brilliant interview I mean I would say that because I did it obviously the great journalist that I am (laughs) but we hear all sorts from her about her Eurovision adventures and this memory before performing in the grand final and I remember when I entered the stage on the final and my boyfriend he went 
up on stage with me and he said to me just don't be nervous now baby you just think from the, from your heart and you know you can do this and don't think about the 200 million people watching you right now <laughs> and i was like Oh, thank you, baby. So we've got plenty more from Sana later on in the podcast today. Uh, but we've also got loads more to cover as well because it has been another busy seven days in the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. We have got another Eurovision song that has been chosen at the weekend and we'll be catching up with a journalist in France to hear more about their song for Eurovision 2021. And our adventures through Europe continue with another national finalist on the show. Uh, we're heading to Finland this week and we are talking to Nico from Blind Channel. Now they are quite an intimidating rock band. I did the interview alone with Nico and was quite pleased that it was just him on the video chat because, uh, yeah, I was going to be a little bit scared if it was all six of them. <laughs> So we've got plenty to get through today, so let's get on with things. You are listening on Acast, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. Once again, a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, I did mention as well at the top of the show for the second time this week, if you are a loyal listener who has joined us both on Monday for Malfest Monday and today for this new episode of the Eurotrip, well done. Thank you very much. And I'd like to say you're part of some sort of special club and give you a badge, but the budget of the podcast doesn't stretch quite that far, unfortunately. We could do that, couldn't we? A little badge, like Blue Peter. What, with mine and yours faces on it, like it's a big birthday badge? Wow, imagine that. That would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it would be, although I know already which photo of me you'd use, which is that awful <laughs> photo of me stood in front of those gold balloons from last year, where I was about two stone heavier than I am now. And despite every attempt I've made to kill that photo, it keeps reappearing. <laughs> I've got that picture everywhere. I've got it on a set of bedspreads as well. So I can go to bed with your face all over it. Anyway, should we do the podcast? Uh, because this is the part where we normally read out some of your tweets uh, from you guys at home who have been getting involved. Uh, thank you so much for everybody in the past week or so who's been getting in touch. However, uh, Rob, you want to bring to everybody's attention about a tweet you saw earlier in the week. Yeah, it's a little bit like show and tell at school, this. Honestly, I saw this tweet on Monday and have wanted to talk about it all week. And this has blown my mind. Uh, Jose, if you're listening, thank you for tweeting this. Uh, So on Monday, Jose tweeted saying, It's been nine years, but I still can't with the fact that Sophie Marinova's bracelet fell to the floor during her performance and it just stayed there. And it did. So basically what this is, is Jose has got some some photos here of uh, Eurovision 2012. James, this is the second semi-final? It was the second semi-final. So she was representing Bulgaria. Bulgaria were performing in eighth place. And in this screenshot, you can see a little bracelet. I think it's actually a hairpiece. He corrects himself in another tweet. A hairpiece just lying on the floor of the stage. Absolutely fine. Mistakes happen. However, the next image is from Performance 9, Slovenia. And it's still there. Honestly, me and you have both been to Eurovision and been in the arena. And we know how much activity happens on the stage in between songs. You know, there are people on there with brooms. There are people on there to put props on the stage. It is ridiculous that it stayed on there for two songs. However, it stayed on there for more than two songs because (laughs) James has mentioned song nine. Let's move on to song 10, which came from Croatia. There it is. Still there. So you'd think maybe that's enough, isn't it? Two songs after the hairpiece originally fell onto the stage. Surely someone will spot it and remove it. However, no, because then we get to song number 11, which of course was Lorene with Euphoria. Uh, and it is still there. So for, what's that? For four different songs, this hairpiece is still on the stage. What were they doing? I tell you what I'm going to do after this podcast is I'm going to look at a video of the the recap from the second semi-final of Eurovision <laughs> 2012 and see what song 12 was and to see whether it was still there. Just going to have a little Google. Hold on. You can hear me. I reckon if you just went and looked at the grand final, it would probably still be there <laughs> when Lorene is collecting the trophy. They probably just left it there for the entire week. I should have asked um, Eldar when we spoke to him earlier on in the year on the podcast, because of course he hosted Eurovision 2012. I should have said, do you remember the hairpiece, Eldar? Why didn't you pick it up? Uh, but I, I just had to bring that to you. What a ridiculous thing that, that is. And I had I'd not realised that had happened until now. But uh, yeah, I mean, blimey. 
blimey indeed. Uh, have we had enough though? Is that out of the system? Should we should we get on with some other stuff? Um, as as you heard by me ending that last sentence with the word blimey, yes, I'm lost <laughs> for words and have no more on that. However, uh, as I think you're about to say, been a busy old week, isn't it? It has been a busy week. Shall we do the news? Let's do it. There it is again, that hideously cheesy news jingle, which, as you know by now, means it is time for all the latest news from, as we've already said, another busy week in the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, we get to February now, and there is a lot happening. Although, as we've already said, not as much as will be happening by the time we get to March, but that's a problem for then. Yeah, there is loads going on uh, this week. It is my duty to update you with everything that has been going on. So, are you ready? I'm ready as I am. Ever be. Go for it, Rob. Excellent. Thank you very much. Well, we will start then with the news that I'm sure this has not escaped you. Melody Festivalen is back this weekend. It is a delight to have Malthus back. It is exactly uh, what we need. Of course, we're going to have seven songs uh, performing, including Danny Saucedo back on the stage in Melfest this weekend. And also, we found out on our new podcast, Melfest Monday, which you can listen to every Monday, you guessed it, that the songwriters are not going to be allowed in the arena for the live performances, as told to us by Andreas Stone Johansson. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I really wish I could be at the arena, but I don't think they let anyone in, actually. It's um, the strict regulations. So he is one of the songwriters from Natalie Braundorf's uh, song, Fingerprints, which is in uh, the first semi-final this weekend. Uh, did you enjoy my attempt at the Swedish pronunciation of her name? I did, yes. Very well done. It sounds like you've taken inspiration from Toby Ek from uh, Melfest Monday. He gave us a bit of inspiration, didn't he, with his pronunciations? He did. Uh, Toby also called me out on the episode on Monday because I made him read through all of the names of those taking part in uh, the fi- in the semi-final on Saturday because I didn't want to make a fool of myself, much like I just did there. Anyway, moving on. At San Marino, they have announced that we are going to get Senate song on the 23rd of February. So finally, a song in February that isn't in March. That is good news. We all like to see it. Uh, Roxanne, a jury, will select her song for Romania. Effendi will be back, of course, for Azerbaijan. And you guessed it, we're getting her song in March. We're also getting Go A, their song for the Ukraine in March. We did get four new songs for this weekend's semi-final in Melody Grand Prix. Of course, this is the fourth semi-final in Norway. So let's have a listen. And if I lose my soul, I know we can be no more. Time to leave it all behind and let go. What do you think? God, they don't half drag this national final out, don't they? What, four songs a week? Dragging it out for six or seven weeks? Blimey, O'Reilly. Get on with things. Having got to the second chance round yet, have we? How long's that? <laughs> Three hours? <laughs> I know James is delighted about that and is looking forward to it immensely. Uh, talking of national selections and national finals, uh, Spain will hold a national selection which is significantly shorter. It's going to consist of two songs. It's going to be in February. And viewers from outside of Spain are going to be able to vote on the song that Blas Canto will take to Rotterdam. Uh, the public will also help decide Victoria's song for Bulgaria. Uh, that song will come from her new EP, which is out in February. Uh, Denmark's artists, they are going to be revealed next week. That is on the 10th of February. And Natalia Gordienko, who I have included here, only because I like pronouncing her surname and like saying her name. Uh, she has been recording her music video for her Eurovision song, that we do not know what it is yet in Kiev. That's all I got. 
Very good. Uh, did you want to pick up on the fact that we've got our third Eurovision song, or are you going to leave that to me? I figured that we weren't getting any until March, so it just slipped my mind, to be honest. <laughs> Very good. Uh, but no, you've missed it out entirely. We have got now our third song for Eurovision 2021, and it comes from France. They held their national final last weekend. It was Eurovision France, C'est vous que décide, or something like that. It went on for about four years, and you're going to interrupt me there, Rob. What are you going to say? I was just going to say that I hope that you don't ask me to pronounce it, as we learnt from my terrible French a couple of weeks ago, but you did not, and now I've just unnecessarily interrupted you. So please, please continue. Thank you. They did. They held their national final at the weekend. It consisted of 12 songs, and the winner was Barbara Pravi with Voila. And this is an immense performance. Uh, Rob seems to disagree, so I'm not going to let him come in at any point during this next monologue and just get on with things so he doesn't bring the mood down. But it is. It is a superbly emotive performance. Uh, I think the songwriters on there are just perfect. It was written by Barbara herself, as well as Egitte, who has tried to represent France before. He's also been behind the last two French junior Eurovision entries and they've been joined by Lily Poe who is also a fantastic French artist uh, who you should really check out as well but it may well struggle because it's all in French and we know how well entirely French songs do at the contest itself. However who am I to be saying all this when we can speak to a French journalist? Uh, Sebastien Barquet, or you may well recognise him as Mr. 12 Point on Twitter. I sat down with him earlier in the week and asked him about his thoughts on the song. First, when I heard the studio version of Voila, I thought it was a good song with nice lyrics, but um, it wasn't a song that I would uh, listen uh, all the time. But uh, when I discover in a, in a studio with a, a French delegation um, the song with uh, Barbara singing it, I was kind of overwhelmed. And um, I think that uh, it's a really powerful song and even powerful with Barbara. Tell us what it was like to be in the studio on Saturday night when she was performing that song, because for us watching at home, it was really powerful and it was really emotional. But what was it like to be there seeing it live? So I was uh, backstage. Uh, we had a screen uh, and we were very near the, the stage. And um, there, there were, during all the show, there were uh, some applauses for all the artists. But when it was Barbara's uh, time to, to sing, uh, everyone was really quiet uh, in the studio. It was uh, impressive. And uh, there were, they were uh, for us, goosebumps. And um, we were relieved that everything was uh, really well with her because we had some expectations. And uh, there were a lot of applauses uh, backstage after she, she sang. How important do you think it was that the French broadcaster put on this national final this year? Because they've been popular in the past, uh, in 2018 and 2019. But last year, they decided to do this internal selection to choose uh, Tom Lieb. So how important was it for them to do this national final again? You're correct. Uh, French people were very angry last year when Tom Lieb was selected internally because they were used to to the national selection in 2018 and 19. So I think it's a good thing that there is, uh, again, a national selection. I don't think it's the best way for France to select a song because we can ask about uh, people's opinion sometimes about song. But um, having said that, for me, it's really important that we have, uh, again, uh, a show uh, like this because uh, Eurovision is kind of popular in France um, during the final, but the rest of the year there's no Eurovision, except for Eurovision, junior Eurovision, but uh, French people are not used to it uh, for now. And it's important to, to pro promote uh, the Eurovision brand in, in France. And there, there are still people in France that uh, think that it's an old fashioned show and we have to, to change that. And that's why 
uh, I'm really glad that we had this kind of show on, on Saturday and it was pretty good, I, I think so. And do you know what the reaction has been like uh, to the show itself? I mean, how many people have been watching it on TV? Did people enjoy the show itself? I enjoyed it and I had to, to watch it again on the next day. Uh, and I was kind of surprised by, by um, the good numbers of viewers in France. There were a lot of competition uh, this night. I thought it would be not really followed, but uh, there were 2.3 million viewers uh, in front of Eurovision France. And that's a good thing. And uh, I searched on Twitter and I think that people were pretty happy with the show and they loved uh, Barbara, of, of course, and um, the, the new host of uh, France 2, Laurence Boccoli, because she, she's very uh, funny and uh, people love her. It was very, very enjoyable, even for uh, the audience outside of France. I can tell you that for sure. Um, but what do you think is going to happen to Barbara when she gets to Eurovision? Because it is totally in French. There's no English in there. So do you think that's going to be difficult for the wider European audience to get on board with the song? You know, I am still a little scared uh, after Patricia Cass in 2009. I thought she would do better. Than, than what she did, she, she was eight. Uh, at that time, I thought that if Patricia Cass uh, didn't win Eurovision, France would never won Eurovision. And, um, and I remember uh, also uh, Lisa Angel in Vienna. Uh, it was kind of this song uh, and it was really hard for her. So uh, the only thing that uh, I can say about Barbara today is that um, I think that voila is a, is a word that uh, international audience can understand. Uh, I think you, you, you use it sometimes in, in English. Um, and I'm not sure that people need to understand uh, Barbara lyrics because she's so into it when she sings it. Uh, and that will reflect on the screen. And uh, I'm just hoping for the, the best for her. And uh, honestly, I, I've, I've had the op opportunity to, to speak with her sometimes and she, she very, sweet and funny and uh, I hope that she will do uh, a good result in uh, in Rotterdam. Did you speak to uh, Barbara after the show on Saturday? Have you managed to find out how she was feeling after she won? Yeah, absolutely. I, I spoke with her and uh, she was over the moon and didn't realize, of course, what was happening to, to her. She's very proud to, to represent France. Um, she said that uh, she wasn't expecting a, a victory, even if she was uh, the big favorite. And uh, yeah, she was very happy and she had a lot of promotion to do uh, just after the show. So I, I didn't think uh, a lot with her, but that's what she told me. This is the Euro Trip. That's right. This is the Euro Trip. We are about halfway through this week's lovely episode, but plenty more for you to look forward to because we've got Sana Nielsen on the way, uh, seven-time Melfest contestant, one-time Swedish entry at Eurovision in 2014. So we'll be hearing from her shortly. But talking of Eurovision, which sounds like a stupid thing to say on a Eurovision podcast, because you'd like to think that we're always talking of Eurovision, wouldn't you, James? That was a silly thing to say. It doesn't It doesn't happen, though, does it? We end up always talking about things like shepherd's pie or, or bedspreads with your face on, like we did earlier. It's made me a little bit peckish and tired. <laughs> <laughs> in conjunction with one another uh, yes anyway talking of eurovision as we're supposed to because it's a eurovision podcast uh this is the part of the podcast where we talk to one of the national finalists attempting to represent their country at this year's competition in rotterdam well this week we are heading to finland uh umk of course i'm not going to try and pronounce that because that is very difficult i think even difficult for finnish people to say <laughs> quite frankly the broadcaster in finland need to change the name anyway i spoke to blind channel now they are a rock band from finland their song is very very different to anything else in that selection so i asked nico from the band to define their sound. We, we describe our music as violent pop music. That's been our own genre since the beginning. And like, it's definitely rock music. We all have, we have our roots in rock music, but we're trying to mix it up with elements from like, whatever's going on in the mainstream music, like pop, trap, hip hop, whatever. And like in the beginning, defining our own genre just 
it made us a, we, we were able to do whatever we wanted and just say like it's violent pop but nowadays it's more like our brand but it's definitely rock music with catchy hooks and explosive explosive shows and stuff like that what is it about Finland and rock music that sort of you know come in partnership there is such a a great rock scene in in Finland and what is it about the country that kind of embraces the genre so much I think it must be the weather. <laughs> no, Finland is definitely like the land of metal music and rock music as well, of course. I don't know what it is like Finland's had great have had great rock bands in the past, but we we still have great young rock bands and great older ones. I'm not sure like where it comes from. It's it's just written in our bones or our in our DNA or something like that. You, you guys at Blind Channel, when did you first, you know, get the group together? How long have you been doing what you've been doing for? We got together like a little less than eight years ago. In 2013, we started and we've been doing this nonstop ever since. Like this has been our dream from the beginning and we just keep moving forward. Over the last three years, I, I was on your Instagram just looking at how your Spotify numbers had changed because I know you guys posted that at the end of the year on your Instagram. And 2018, you know, you had 2 million streams on Spotify. 2019, you had 4.7 million streams on Spotify. 2026 million streams on Spotify. So, you know, your popularity is just growing and growing and growing. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's the point, right? <laughs> like we keep moving forward and the, and the numbers are going up and we're really happy about that. But like there's there's been hard work, a lot of grinding in between every million we make. But that's been the point, like we just try to make, make this like our dream come true and take over the world and make this our like main job. It, it has been our main job for the last eight years, but like we, we're trying to break through, you know. So it's been really great to see those numbers going up. It's been really cool. What role, you mentioned it there, taking over the world. What role does UMK and trying to represent Finland at Eurovision play in, in that plan for world domination? Well, like, here's the thing. Like, we released our third album called Wild and Pop. And it was a big album for us, a huge amount of work. And we had this, like, big year coming, 2020. It was supposed to be our big year. And then week from when the album was released everything got cancelled in front of our noses like everything and we were so frustrated and we didn't know what to do and then we went to our practice place and just sit down and we were like guys what what can we do about this and then we decided that we have to do something crazy something we'd never even thought about doing before and then we were like guys it's eurovision time <laughs> What was it like to find out that you did have a place in in the UMK selection in 2021? It was it was big news, but but it was kind of like we planned it, like because every time we do something, we do it like we do it in our way, and there's just like we decided to go there, like guys, we're doing this now. But it was happy news. It was a great day, and we were like just as planned. Now let's go kill it. Was the, the entry that you were always going to sing in UMK Dark Side or were there a few songs that you were trying to decide between? Like there, there were a few songs, few songs to choose from, but Dark Side, it was an easy choice. Like we all agreed that that's the most blind channel song of all of them. Like it, Dark, Dark Side represents everything we've always been doing. Like throw your middle fingers up and go through the roof and scream it up and lots of fire and jumping and noises and stuff like that. So it was pretty easy choice. Is that what we can expect from the staging? Lots of fire, lots of jumping, lots of energy, lots going on? Yeah, lots of energy. Like anyone who's seen us live knows that. We love playing live shows. And that's like, that's the best part of being in a band for us. So we're definitely, now we have the budget to make that like huge live show come through and definitely a lots of energy, explosions, anything we can think of. We're gonna surprise everyone. What do you make of the reaction to, to the song, to Dark Side? Because, you know, it debuted really high in the finished chart and, and it's been going really, really well since it was premiered. 
Yeah, like like we were always waiting that we thought people would like it because it's it's a bit different from the other other songs in the UMK. But like we didn't see it being like that loved. Like everybody just loved it. Like we were expecting like where are the haters? Haters, show yourself. But there there wasn't many. So like we were we were surprised and happily surprised. One final question, of course, is is what message have you got to people who would love to vote for you uh, when it comes to the final? I want to send a message to all the people that join us on the dark side, throw your middle fingers up, and let's have a party in Rotterdam. Like, we can't wait to party with you guys. We love parties. Let's do this together. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So you are listening to the Eurotrip. Uh, thank you so much for sticking with us this week in what is a whole lot of Robin James this week. It's a double dose of us this week. But thank you so much for sticking with us in today's episode. Uh, it is time to get to this week's big interview. And there's, there's no denying it. It is a big interview. It is a pretty sizable one. Yeah, you've already mentioned, as we have about 18 times. I think 18 is always the number that I choose when I say that we've said something a lot of times. Uh, is your birthday the 18th of January? It's not. It's the 12th. Thanks for remembering. Ah. Uh, we've already mentioned our other podcast this week a lot. Uh, it is, of course, Malfest Monday. So the big guest this week had to link in with events that are coming up on Saturday. We have the first semi-final of Melody Festival and the wait is almost over as Sweden begin their competition to select their entry for Eurovision 2021. Almost forgot what year it was. Anyway, seven years ago, that was Sanna Nielsen. She finally won the right to represent Sweden in 2014, having previously attempted to do so six times before. Now, James, I blew your mind when I said that Sanna Nielsen's debut in Melody Festival was in 2001. Mate, that's 20 years ago. That's ridiculous, isn't it? She was 16 when she first attempted to represent Sweden in 2001, which is just ridiculous. Anyway, she eventually managed to do it in 2014. And me and you were just talking off air. 2014, the Eurovision final of 2014, potentially our mutual favourite. It is. We disagree on plenty of things. I'm sure people at home will know that from the past uh, six months or so. But yeah, 2014 is a solid year for Eurovision. And in my opinion, could rival 2016 as the best Eurovision Song Contest there has ever been. Which just shows what an impressive achievement it was for Sana that her and her song Undo eventually finished third in the grand final. I will ask her all about that, of course, but I started by asking when it was that she first made her break in Swedish show business when she was at a very early age. Well, I had my, I don't know if it's the proper way to say it in English, I had my break through uh, when I was 11 and I was uh, singing in uh, television, uh, in a television show, um, a, a song that is called Till en Fågel in Swedish to a little bird in English <laughs> and uh, six months after I participated in that TV show I got I got a contract with a record uh, record label record company and that's and the rest is history so I was 11 years old when I started what was the what was the aim at that point? I mean, presumably as an eleven year old, you didn't have a career goal or or an aim. But what were you just uh, hoping for, for for it to last as long as possible at that point? I I, I actually don't remember, <laughs> but I, I I do remember that I just wanted to have fun. I just wanted to be up on stage, and I was a very shy, insecure little little girl. I didn't I didn't raise my hand in the school, you know, and and answer the questions because I was so afraid that I would get the answers wrong you know and I was very shy and I didn't want to I didn't want people actually to recognize me uh, or something like that because I was a very tall young lady as well you know and as a teenager and uh, as a young girl I, I I suppose neither one would like to that the people uh, are recognizing and um, recognize you so so I was very shy and insecure and, but I think my my aim was just to have fun and I, I, I saw that 
I got a more secure person um, when I were up on stage. The feelings that I felt up on stage, it was, I mean, it made me a better person. It made me more brave. You, you say there that you had your break when you were 11 years old and then you yeah. were still very young when you took part in Melody Festival for the first time. Yeah, I was 16, I guess. 16 or, no, 16 I was, yes. Uh, and uh, well, that was my dream. I mean, I, I, I remember I saw Kahola uh, win with the Fångad av Stormwind and I was like seven years old and I, I, I told my mom and dad, I, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on that stage someday. I don't know what this competition is all about, but I'm gonna be on that stage someday. And I loved watching Carola and I loved hearing her sing. I mean, I, I still do. I think she's amazing. So uh, so when I saw her win for, uh, with the Fongadam and Stormwind, I was like, I'm gonna do that as well. And uh, it happened to me too seven times. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get of course we'll get of course to that shortly. But I think just talking to to people that aren't in Sweden it's it's very difficult for them to understand just how massive Melody Festival is you know other countries have their their national selections and they're just on for one night and some people watch some people don't and, and they're not that big but Melody Festival really is an institution in Sweden isn't it yeah it really is yeah it really is but I think it I mean, we, we just before the interview started, we, we mentioned how dark it is now. I mean, liter literally, it's very dark. I mean, it's it's gotten dark at uh, two o'clock uh, here uh, in the afternoon. And uh, I mean, we need the light and we need some some glam. <laughs> and we need the Melody Festival in here in Sweden. And everybody loves it. And everybody who doesn't love it, they love to hate it. So, uh, uh, so it's a uh, it's it's a real show that that makes people happy, actually, and and we have something to talk about and we have something to do every weekend. What no. what is it about the competition that that makes people keep coming back and back and back? Because it's not just, for example, presumably a lot of of the reasons that you kept coming back were because you wanted to win and you wanted to win. But what is it about the competition yeah. that means that people just keep coming back and back? And it isn't you know, one failure and I'm done. No, no, exactly. But I, I mean, I can only speak for myself because I I, I participated there seven times uh, and uh, it wasn't actually about, oh, I need to go back because I want to win. That wasn't my main goal with the Melody Festival. It, it, it has never been that. And maybe that sounds crazy, but it, 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 it wasn't my dream. I mean, I when I did get to win I was I was so happy and I was very shocked as well and I was like oh my gosh this is such a fairy tale of <laughs> seven times in the seventh entry I get to win it was it was beautiful but but I wanted to come back because I, I really um, enjoyed uh, the whole circus uh, to be in, to take part of this uh, huge party um, and it's I mean it it, it um it is a show that everybody who watches it, I mean, everybody who loves the Melody Festival or the Eurovision, they, they love it because it's, it's uniting, uh, you know, uh, it unites people and everybody just want to feel some joy. You, you mentioned there the, the seven songs that, that were all seven brilliant songs in, in their own right, but all seven very different songs as well. I'll talk yeah. to you, of course, about your winning song shortly. But can we talk about Empty Room? Because Empty Room is of a song, it's, it's just a song that is so loved by so many people, isn't it? And, it? and it's had such an impact despite not winning. Yeah, it really has. I mean, that was... Uh, <clears throat> It was uh, a song in English, and I, 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 it was a song that uh, was a whole took a whole new direction for me musically, uh, and I didn't know uh, how it was going to uh, to be, how how the people would react to it. But I, I knew deep deep in my heart actually that this is what I wanted to sing, and this is I, I think I was the most hundred percent. Sanna Nilsen when I sung that song 
you know, I, I actually found who I was, uh, if I can say so. Um, and I was um, really moved by the reactions of people uh, listening when they saw me perform the song the first time in, in Melody Festival. And I mean, I couldn't realize, I didn't realize that it was going to have such an impact. If we, if we talk about Undo, of course, and we talk about the night that you finally realized your dream to go to Eurovision and to represent Sweden, how did you celebrate that night? That night? Oh my God, how did I celebrate? I mean, I, I, I didn't even get the chance to celebrate. I think I, I, I was, it was so, um, it, it took so many hours for me to go from the arena in, in Stockholm to, um, to the after party. 25,8% of rösterna, which means 122 points go to Melody number 8. Because everybody wanted to, to to chat with me, and and I needed to do some press photos, and it was I mean I, I I don't I don't remember when I came to the after party, but when I was at the after party, I had difficulties to pop the champagne. <laughs> I remember, and I was like, oh my gosh, I really should know how to pop the champagne, but I don't. <laughs> how do you do this? And everybody was just screaming, and they were so very happy for me, and. Uh, I was there celebrating with my boyfriend and my family and uh, I had a few hours there, but then I, you know, I was a good girl. I went to bed and because I, I had an early schedule, the schedule was, I mean, it was full with things to do uh, the next day. So I, I really wanted to to just do my job and uh, to have fun with it and, uh, um, and not be that tired the next day. <laughs> Do you think there's added pressure being Sweden's representative at Eurovision compared to, say, if you were representing another country, just because everybody expects so much from Sweden? Yeah, I think for me as an artist, I would uh, be putting a lot of pressure for me, putting a lot of pressure on me in whichever country I would participate in, I guess, because I, I, I want to be professional and I want to do a great job, you know, everything that. But it, I mean, it is a true honor to represent your own country and you get a lot um, nervous when you are representing your country in the Eurovision Song Contest. You want to make them proud. I mean, they were the ones who chosen you to be their representant. Um, and uh, But I had, I had a terrific journey uh, through these months when I participated in Eurovision and, and I really felt the people in Swedish, I really felt their support and they were so happy for me and I was like, it was um, it was a dream come true and it was a fairy tale and everybody thought of it as a fairy tale as well. How special was it that you got to have your Eurovision experience in Denmark because you've got <laughs> Danish links yourself, don't you? Yeah. Well, it was very exotic to travel to Copenhagen from Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> you got to cross the bridge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, actually, I don't know if you remember, but in 2001, uh, when I participated in Melody Festival in the very first time, we uh, competed about a trip to Eurovision in Copenhagen. And uh, I didn't win that year. So when I finally won the Swedish Melody Festival and I got to to travel to Copenhagen, uh, I felt like, okay, the chapter is, the book is done, you know. Uh, this was the first trip that I ever competed, uh, you know, to, to get to. And now I finally got the chance to, to come to Copenhagen in Eurovision situations. So it was very special. And now I forgot the question that you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just saying how special was was it that you were in Denmark because of your own family links to Denmark oh that was the question <laughs> uh, well you know what I have I have no family left in um, Copenhagen I, I've never I, I, I it's my grandpa my on my father's side my grandpa and my grandpa grandpa and my grandma was uh, Danish and uh, I never saw them because they died when I was very very little but I but my but my last name is Danish and Nielsen. So, but it was very special actually, because when I was in Copenhagen and I was doing a lot of press and media and stuff like that, it, every, the, 
the Danish media, they wanted to speak in Danish. And I was like, okay, just please take it just slow because I, I'm sorry, I can't understand the Danish word. And they talked slow and everything like that. And it was, it, they were very nice, but I couldn't understand a word of it. So for like, after two minutes, I was like, I'm so sorry, but can we please take this in English? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they were like, but you have, I mean, you have the Danish blood in your system. So no, I'm sorry. I, I don't understand a word of what you're saying. <laughs> so it was very special. <laughs> the whole thing, of course, is mad when you're actually there, when you're actually at Eurovision. It's it's two weeks or even more actually in the in the host city. Are there any real standout moments for you away from obviously the brilliant result you've gotten away from, from the grand final itself? Are there any moments where... I don't know, you, they just stay with you from your time. Yeah, uh, I have I have a lot of them, of course. Um, but uh, I, one of them that actually pops up in my head right now is where I, I don't remember, but I was um, doing a little concert. It was outside in the city uh, on a huge stage. And it was me and it was two other artists as well. Uh, and when I entered the stage, I had I haven't really I hadn't really uh, watched the audience how many people it was in the audience, and it was like I mean it was thousands of people, um, and uh, I was like oh my gosh, and I was just singing my own songs, and I actually did a Danish song as well with um, and all the Danish Eurovision fans they were like whoa they were screaming and they were crying and they were <laughs> applauding and uh, and everything so it was I felt a huge support uh, at that gig as well and it was so much love and it, it, it is a, it is a memory that I I won't forget and I also remember I <clears throat> I did a show at the Swedish embassy and there were a crowd outside the Swedish embassy that really wanted uh, to just applaud me and to support me and I, I, really, I really felt a lot of love during those two weeks. And actually, I have to mention, um, my boyfriend, he sent uh, a clip, uh, a video clip that he had filmed on the dress rehearsals the night before the final, uh, where the, jur the jury was going to, to vote. And he was like, uh, <laughs> I mean, the crowd was crazy. And they were screaming and they were singing and they were giving me so much love and support. And, and he was crying. He was like, oh my gosh, I can hear on the video that he says, oh my gosh, baby, this is for you. And then I, after I uh, was done with the rehearsal and after I was done singing the song and he was like, he was just screaming, yes, because he, he said to me afterwards, it felt like you just won the Eurovision Song Contest because that was... It, an enormous amount of love that the crowd received and uh, that the crowd that gave to me. So there, there are a lot of memories, of course, but these memories, I guess, is uh, something that I can think about a lot. Well, that performance obviously went a long way to your brilliant final result, because that was, of course, as you said, the jury vote on the, the Friday and the public vote on the Saturday. And you yeah. finished in the top three, which must have been fantastic for you. Yes, it was. It was really fantastic. And I remember when I entered the stage on the final uh, and my boyfriend, he went up on stage with me and he said to me, I know I've, I've, I've told this story a hundred times, but I, I love it so much. And <laughs> he said to me, just don't be nervous now, baby. You just sing from, from your heart and you know you can do this. And just enjoy this and don't think about the 200 of millions of people watching you right now <laughs> and I was like oh thank you baby that's very nice <laughs> advice <laughs> and all I could think about was was the last sentence that he said to me but I I enjoyed it as well and I didn't hear I mean I didn't hear when the when the music started I didn't hear uh, the music I didn't hear my voice it, it's very you know it's it's just me it's just the piano and the strings in the beginning of the song and I was like oh my gosh am I going to shall I just say it? oh stop 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 I need to do this uh, from the top you know because I can't I don't know if I'm in the right key or anything and then I just looked out at the crowd and I was like 
taking a breath and suddenly it appeared to me that okay it's the crowd they are singing with me and they are singing so loud <laughs> so that's why I can't hear a thing in my ears It's a memory that uh, yeah, I, I, I cherish that a lot. Does that mean then, because you had such a perfect experience, that the Eurovision chapter is, is closed for you as far as going as an artist? I have no idea. I, I, I say, I never say never, you know? Uh, I mean, if it, I mean, I love that. I love being part in that bubble and I love being part of that show. So it would be great to be there again, of course, but in the other hand, it is a great story. It is a great chapter, and uh, and I, I, I mean, it felt like I won that evening. I mean, I, I don't mean as winning the competition, but I, I, I definitely won something because I won a fantastic audience, and I got so much love and support, and uh, it has taken me to where I am today. I mean, so. That third place is uh, is very 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 meaningful to me. Is that it, Rob? Have you not have you not forgotten a question? Uh, now I think I know what you're referring to, and to both you and the listeners, I would just like to express how sorry I am for forgetting to ask Sana a very important question. Second favorite Eurovision song of all time. We've been interviewing these guests for six months and you forgot. I think I was just sort of overawed by speaking to somebody of the level of Eurovision fame of Sanna Nielsen. And it was a lovely, lovely backdrop. She was in her dining room. She got a big old table in there and I just got distracted, I think, maybe. But I'm really sorry. She was, I mean, she was probably going to say euphoria, wasn't she? They always do. They do, don't they? Maybe we should take this opportunity to ask you, Rob. You've never answered the question. What is your favourite? Oh, I haven't even got the question wrong. What is your second favourite Eurovision song of all time, Rob? My my favourite song, you know, it's Alvdansen from Norway in 2006. My second favourite Eurovision song of all time. Oh, you've put me on the spot now. (laughs) Now you know how they feel. Oh, uh, I was a big fan of Israel 2017, I Feel Alive from Imri, which I appreciate is another bizarre answer. So let's go with that, shall we? That is very niche. Very good. (laughs) Please, can we move on and please, can we uh, finish as we normally do? Yeah, let's. It's time for the one second song. Thankfully for me, this week, I have the honour say the honour, the duty is probably the better word, to choose it for you, Rob, and you for the listeners at home as well. Um, So, without further ado, if you're ready, Rob. I'm ready. Let's hear this week's One Second Song. Now, I'm not going to get all the points this week, but I am going to get some, I think. I'm going to get one. I'm definitely going to get one. I know the country. Everything else, a little bit hazy. Now then... Uh, before we get your answers, let's just hear it one more time, just so you can be sure. So there it was. So for new listeners, or just a quick refresher, you get four points, uh, or there's four points available. One for the artist, one for the song title, one for the country, and the year it competed at the Eurovision Song Contest. Now, Rob, the floor is yours. What do you think it is? So, uh, without further ado, and I see what you've done here, because it's been a big week in the news of Eurovision and this country. It's been a big week for France. So I'm going to say the country is France. And then from this point onwards, it gets a little bit shaky. Uh, I'm going to say the singer, I think, was Patricia Cass. And I think the year was 2009. And I can't remember the name of the song. I took inspiration from the chat I had with uh, Sebastian a little bit earlier on, because he actually mentioned this track to us in the interview so very well done for picking up on that maybe it subconsciously snuck itself into your mind so rob well done there's three points coming your way you got three the song title and here we go again the french pronunciations it was a seal fallait 
Lefer. S'il fallait le faire, j'arrêterais la terre. J'y la lumière que tu restes endormie. S'il fallait le faire, je repousserais l'hiver. À grands coups de printemps et de longs matins clairs. Allez pour te plaire, j'arrêterai le temps. Que tout est I'll be honest with you, I wasn't even going to attempt the name. I couldn't remember it, but even if I had, I think I probably would have just accepted the three points. <laughs> Very well done, though. Three points, more than I ever achieved. Uh, just to refresh your memory, uh, she was representing France in 2009. She finished eighth in the grand final with 107 points, which sounds pretty good until you realise she was 208 points from victory. <laughs> of course, uh, Alexander Ryback winning by quite a small margin in 2009, famously. Didn't she sing second as well? Didn't she have the um, the, the, the position that nobody wants? Oh, very close. She performed in third place that Who year. It was second? Israel. It was Israel. Israel. Sorry, I'm just giving it away to you there. It was probably going to be a quick guessing game for you, but it was Israel. Sorry to ruin it. Oh, well, now we've... Uh, I mean... <laughs> Eurovision, Eurovision Again's job is safe. I'll look back there at the 2009 contest. Wasn't that conclusive, was it? <laughs> oh, dear me. Anyway, I think that's about it for this week from our two episodes. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Yeah, I think our brain power could probably do with a few days off. Uh, Melfest Monday is still up and available, of course, for you to listen to uh, if you want to have a preview of this weekend's first semi-final of Melody Festivalen. And we will be with you every single Monday for the duration of Melfest. So look forward to new episodes there. Got some great guests lined up to join us on that next week. And also some great guests to join us on this, the Euro trip, because fear not, we may have another podcast in our lives but this is still the OG, so we will not forget about you, dear listeners. Indeed. So next Monday and next Wednesday, we'll be back with another episode of Melfest Monday and another episode of the Eurotrip. But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, it is goodbye. And from me, it's goodbye. Uh, cool. Ready? Anyway, continue Amos. Continuamos. Let's continue. Amos. In Spanish. Oh. Isn't it? Continuamos. Oh. <laughs> <a> person. <laughs> I know you're bad at French, but I thought you'd be good at Oh Spanish. no, it's no no no. Universally bad at all languages, including <laughs> oh, English. <right. laughs> anyway. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.